Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. No music, no intro. Hashtag another episode of Saints Twitter podcast. The NFL draft is quickly approaching, less than a week away. And we had to get one of our favorite guests on, uh, Mr. Greg Cosell. He is doing, he's breaking down draft prospects with, with Ross Tucker. He's been doing that for years. Um, he's doing podcasts with friend, uh, friend Duffy of the Eagles journey to the NFL draft. This man has his own podcast uh, that's dropping soon. Uh, so for, we just wanted to congratulate you on that alone. Ryan and I have been huge fans with you for such a long time. Uh, so it's, a, it's about damn time that you got your own podcast. Uh, the new Mr. Worldwide, no longer Pitbull, Greg Cosell. How are you doing, sir? Doing great, guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks, thanks for being able to come on. Uh, so we'll, we'll just get right into it. Uh, and before we talk about this draft class, I just kind of want to go back a little bit um, and say that on a whole, last year's Saints draft class mostly seems, seems at this point to be kind of underwhelming. We're not trying to write off any players, you know, quickly. Players adjust, players get better in the league. But last year's draft class with with that team, it was that was kind of like everyone knew it was Drews last year. That draft class really needed to elevate the team to get over the hump, and that just didn't happen. What were just your your thoughts in last year's draft class with with uh, Ruiz at center? He played guard. Um, Adam Troutman and, and Zach Bond, who didn't get much any playing time at all. You know, I, I think it's always hard to to define a draft class after one year. Um, I think Ruiz will be a good player. Um, I don't think there's any question about that. You know, then when you start with Troutman, you know, that that's hard to know based on last season where Breeze missed some time and then Hill played. So, you know, I think I thought Trowan was a pretty good prospect. We'll see. You know, Zach Bond didn't play very much simply because the fact that they played so much sub, he only played in the base. And, you know, there were weeks he played three snaps. So uh, he's another player whose tape I liked coming out of Wisconsin. I think I don't think we can give a final definitive judgment at this point on their draft class just because it, it, they didn't seem to to do a lot last year you know I think Vaughn is a player I'm very anxious to see as he gets more snaps and and I he will this year yeah yeah you know you know I agree I just think that's going to be interesting how because they have a big hole at linebacker uh, next to Demario and I just want to see you know what are their plans for him because they when they drafted him they said hey we know we're kind of going to try him out at the Mike spot he ended up being more of a Sam and, you know, they brought him in some, some little nickel snaps here and there. So, I don't know. It'll be interesting. But uh, I guess kind of moving on to this year's draft, um, one of the kind of debates uh, Adam and I have been having the past couple of weeks on the podcast is uh, cornerbacks because the Saints have a big hole at cornerback with uh, yep. Jack with, – yeah, with Janoris Jenkins gone. 
So, you know, there's Caleb Fairley with, you know, Penn State's a pick in that 28. So Caleb Fairley with his back issues, sometimes some people think he could fall there. Uh, I like, I like him, but I also like, like Greg Newsom is a guy. So we've been kind of going back and forth um, at that level. What are your views on those two players, Caleb Fairley and Greg Newsom? And is there a huge gap in your opinion between those two? Well, I think that if people are comfortable with the Farley's back, he's not going to be there. Hmm. Um, the only way he would be there is if people are not comfortable with the fact that he's had two back surgeries. Yeah. You know, he's a kid that hasn't played a lot of football. He certainly hasn't played a lot of football at corner because he was a high school quarterback. So he's an explosive athlete. I mean, he's a big athlete. He's powerful looking. Uh, I thought he played press man very, very well in, in 2019 at Virginia Tech. I thought he needed more work in zone coverage because zone coverage that requires a lot more coaching and a lot more reps just because you have to understand a lot more about how receivers are aligned, what their splits mean, combination routes. When do you carry a receiver? When do you pass on a receiver? There's much more you have to understand mentally. You've got to play with your eyes better. Man is different. Man is you got him and man I thought he was a very good press man corner and he'll theoretically just get better as he gets more experience, but he has all the traits you would look for in a corner, particularly for a team that plays a lot of man coverage. Uh, So as I said, really his medical will dictate where he goes in the draft. If he was a clean, clean prospect with no medical issue, he'd be a top 12 pick, Mm -hmm. but he may not be. Um, Newsom is a, is a little different cat. He's, um, at 190 pounds, he's a little high cut, a little long legged, uh, very smooth, very fluid, played a lot of press, played a lot of off, has a lot of experience. Um, the one issue I would say with him, and he'll have to fight through this, you can do this in college, but you can't in the NFL. He tended to be handsy and grabby through routes. So a receiver would get to the top of his route stem and Newsom would, would grab him. And they didn't call that in college football. So that's something he's going to have to work through. Uh, it might seem like it's an easy thing to work through. You don't know that. But he's certainly very smooth, very fluid. Um, I wouldn't call him twitchy, but I think he's a, he's a good prospect. Um, yeah. Whether he's there at 30, that, that you know, I, I'm bad at that stuff, guys. I'm no yeah. good at, you know, I don't do mock drafts or, <laughs> mock, or mock guesses, as I call them. I don't, <laughs> I don't do that stuff. So I can't speak to that. We know that corner is a premium position in the NFL. Yeah. So if corners start coming off the board, you know, all of a sudden four corners are off the board, the top 15 picks, who knows? Maybe there's, as they say, a run on corners, but who knows? Yeah. I mean, I know Sean Payton has said a few days ago that cornerback is a must have position to fill this off season. Oh, well, it's a must have in the NFL. Yeah, yeah, but usually when usually when he oh, says absolutely. must, that means they're willing to trade up, they're willing to do whatever it means to. Well, maybe they will. Position. I mean, because yeah. right now they got Lattimore, who's obviously a good player, yeah. and I guess if the season opened today on the outside, it would probably be Patrick Robinson, right? Yes. Yep. Yeah, sure I, would. I, boy, he's been <laughs> in the league a long time. <laughs> a long since two thousand ten. I mean, yeah. God, yeah, eleven years, first round pick, and. Um, I mean, the guy's had a look, the guy's had a great career. I mean, you yeah. know, if you can play this long, you know, guys had a hell of a career. 
Absolutely. Yes. Um, one of the positions that we have been, both Ryan and I have been begging the Saints to address in the first round the last two years as Drew Brees' career wind down, wind down is wide receiver, is the theory of get, giving your quarterback as many weapons as possible um, just because it seems like the league, it's easier to have an, an elite defense, sorry, an elite offense, um, and that sustains longer potentially than an right. elite defense. Um, one of my favorite players in the entire draft is Kendarius Tony, and um, you know he's one of my dream picks at 28. But like Ryan's pointed out, Kadarius Tony would have been a great player, well, a great player in the Saints offense with uh, Drew Brees right. at the helm, timing, whatever. He's not the quarterback anymore. We don't really know. With assuming Jameis is a starter, we don't really know what the Saints offense is going to look like because it's always been Drew Brees based. So I guess my to that long-winded wind-up is who, what type of what receiver prospects in this draft can you see fitting the Saints <laughs> offense potentially just based on what they've shown in in, in the past in terms of what the offense was with well, Payton? You know, obviously because we you know we don't know who the starting quarterback will be. The, the offense will, will there'll be different parts of the playbook in this offense, whether it's Winston or Hill. So obviously all really good offensive coaches have a big playbook and they have different parts of it that they focus on. There'll be different parts focused on with Winston or Hill. Um, I mean, I think Tony theoretically fits any offense. You know, he's, he's a slot movement motion receiver. He lined up in the backfield at times at Florida. He lined up outside at times. We know that Sean Payton is an expansive thinker. He's not a box thinker. He he would never, if Tony was the guy, he would never draft him just to say, well, he's going to line up in the slot and that's it. That's not the way Sean thinks. So Tony would be clearly a, a multi-position receiver. Um, he's very good in the slot, running a lot of those slot, slot routes because his stop and start quickness is is phenomenal. You know, that's that's his thing. I thought he improved dramatically as the year progressed. He's another guy without a lot of experience at the receiver position. He was a high school quarterback, as we mentioned with Farley, and he didn't really play full-time receiver until this year. So I thought he improved. I thought he started to show more confidence running vertical routes because he has good speed. Um, so I think he's a very good prospect. Um, there's no question, I think, that the Saints would love to get a receiver that they feel good about. Uh, we know Michael Thomas is great. Um, after that, I mean, do you guys feel comfortable with what, what you line up with? It's this bear, man. There's Traquan, there's Marquez, Callow, or Marquez Calloway, and then there's De Deontay Harris. Like, right. It's, it's, it's kind of bear. Right. So, I mean, you know, you got to line up with someone. Um, you know, I think Callaway's interesting. I, I did him coming out of Tennessee, and I actually thought he was interesting. I'm not sitting here telling you that he's going to be a big-time wideout, but I thought he was an interesting prospect with size, speed, you know, somewhat straight line. You know, he's got a got a firm body, a little dense body, but, you know, he's so he doesn't have the, the loose hips, but, you know, that's the kind of receiver he is. But I would think they would like to address that position. Yeah, absolutely. Another wide receiver uh, that I kind of got put on recently uh, because Tony Pauline, who has, you know, historically been pretty well connected as far as knowing who the Saints are interested in. He's linked them to Dwayne Eskridge 
have you have you watched him at all, Dwayne oh, Eskridge? Yeah. Uh, what, what were your views on him? I like Dwayne Eskridge. I like me Dwayne too. Eskridge a lot. Me, yeah, me too. <laughs> I, I, it's funny. I, I watched him and I texted Ryan and I was like, I am getting like major Deshaun Jackson light vibes from him just playing. Yeah, I mean, he's wise. not as explosive, but well, similar. you know, it's funny you mentioned that because I made the note when I watched him that he's not as explosive and sudden as Tyree Kill, but he can be deployed much the same way. Another guy you can move around now in college and he played at Western. So it obviously was not a power five school, but he ran a ton of glance routes, ton of inbreakers where he caught the ball and ran away from the defense. Now mm-hmm. you can't sit here and say that's going to happen in the NFL because right. it probably won't. But the point is the kid can run. Um, yeah. So it doesn't, you know, we can debate whether he's going to run away from NFL players. He can run. Um, I liked his tape a lot. I thought he was explosive. He's got a solid frame. Um, he's got vertical ability. He's really good run after catch. Uh, I think that his skill set and traits fit very well in today's NFL. You can use him in the jet sweep game, the orbit reverse game, the multiple wide receiver screen game. Um, I think he's a really strong prospect. You know, I think he fits that more, there's a lot of receivers like that in this draft, kind of the smaller receivers who back in the day, people would either have just said, hey, they're slots or they would have said they're gimmicks. In today's NFL, they're not gimmicks and they're not just slots because the game has evolved and, and, and changed. So these receivers now are regular parts of offense because of the increased use of motion, the increased uh, formation variation. So these guys are not gimmicks. Um, you know, Eskridge, Tony fits that role. Elijah Moore fits that. Rondell Moore fits that. Amari Rogers fits that. There's a lot of receivers like that in this draft. There are. There's there's tons. Um, we we could. I, I feel like we could talk about receivers all day because oh it's yeah, one of there's a lot of positions to, to to scout. Um, one of the players uh, we had a uh, Scott Wright, uh, formerly of Draft Countdown. He he came on right before kind of draft season started picking up. And a, we just put him on the spot and said, give us a player that the Saints made well, don't, draft Don't ask me that because I'm not going to answer it. <laughs> oh, no, 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 I'm not. Uh, the player he gave was Jalen Phillips. Before Scott talked, you know, before I, Scott mentioned him, I had not seen a single snap of Jalen Phillips. I went and I watched him and just put on, I believe it was the Virginia Tech game and just mm-hmm. was, whoo. <laughs> Obviously, there's the medical issues. You retire from football. There's there's a lot of questions off the field that needs to be answered. But just based on his film, what he put out last year, am I? I, I feel like he's one of the best edges in 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 the draft, just in terms of his his play. I would agree with you. I mean, if he was a clean player, he'd be a top twelve pick. Yes. Um, I think he's the best. To me, he's the most explosive and best. Four three D end in this draft. Yeah, I mean, you know that that's what he is to me. Um, I think he has every trait that you want. I mean, he's got size, length, athleticism, suddenness, explosiveness, flexibility, power, balance. He's competitive. Um, you got to remember, this kid came out of the, uh, California. He was top rated D end of the nation. He was a five star recruit. Um, we know he's had some issues. The medical. I believe he had his first concussion when he was ten years old. Not a oh, good wow. sign. Um, you know, but he obviously played every game this year. Uh, he's got everything you want. If you're a four, three team looking for that quintessential D end, he's the, he's your guy. I mean, he's, uh, I thought he was the best pure four, three D end prospect in this draft class. 
Glad, I'm glad to hear my eyes don't lie. Um, another uh, something that just I, I've been kind of thinking about for a couple of months now, just sort of watching as the uh, the debate over quarterbacks, you know, quarterback prospects and all that stuff. And just philosophically, there seemed to have been like some sort of change where, you know, 10 plus years ago, it was all about, you know, pocket, you know, QB is playing from the pocket, playing within the structure of the offense. But now everybody seems to want, can he play out of structure? Can he play off balance? What, you know, can he be creative when the play breaks down and all that stuff? Uh, is that something you, you've seen like, coaches want now has that changed I'm, I'm like why would that change I know Mahomes and Deshaun Watson and and uh, uh Josh Allen and all those guys like they're super creative but I still think the quarterback position is like a pocket position at the end of the day you know well you've hit on the big philosophical discussion it, it's a philosophical yeah. discussion it's the game is we could talk about this for an hour um you could probably write a paper about it. When all said and done, how is the game taught and coached? Every quarterback is a system quarterback because that's how it's coached. So every coach wants the system to be run. Now, there's many elements to running the system. There is, if we're simplifying it, there's the pre-snap phase and the post-snap phase. It's very hard for a young quarterback to come into the league and be proficient in the pre-snap phase mm-hmm. because the pre-snap phase requires you to understand in great detail your own offense and the opposing defense. So it's very difficult for a young quarterback inexperienced in the NFL to understand that. Um, to be a pure pocket quarterback, you must be able to win in the pre-snap phase in other words you have to you have the pre-snap phase has to give you the answers to the test if you're just a pure pocket player and then you need functional knowledge of the defense and by that i mean you need to know based on the play call and what you see defensively which defensive players are critical for you to understand their movements because no offensive coach is going to tell you you need to know what all 11 defensive players are doing because that's too much information it clutters your brain you wouldn't be able to function and it's not necessary so if you're going to be a pure pocket player you need to have the answers to the test essentially before the ball snapped at the very latest on your first step into your drop because if you if there's too many gray areas, if there's any gray area as you're dropping back, then then you'll be surprised by things and you won't be able to play within the structure and timing of the offense. And that's where quarterbacks start to move. So you can look at the greatest of all time, Tom Brady. Um, you know, he wins before the snap of the ball. Very rarely do we see him have to waste plays because the defense has tactically won. Yeah. But that's rarely going to happen, rarely with a first-year quarterback. So what does that mean? Does that mean now that you have to have some off-script ability? That's the big debate. You know, is that now essential to play the position in the league because defenses have gotten so good tactically that they're going to win at times? At times, depends on the game, Depends on the opponent, depends on the game, depends on a lot of things, but they're going to win at times tactically 
within the structure of the of the play call. And then and then what happens with the quarterback? Now, the flip side of that, guys, is this quarterbacks that tend to move a lot. They will move prematurely. Deshaun Watson is a prime example of that. Now, we're not saying he's not a good quarterback. That's not the point I'm trying to make. But he will move prematurely and he will break down the own his own structure of the offense, of the play design. Now, he may make an unbelievable play, and we all say, wow, but he doesn't always do that. And then what's the balance? You know, what, what's the balance between plays and throws that are left on the field because the quarterback did not allow the structure to work versus running around and making a play? You know, there's no, there's no metric for that. So that's, yeah. there's no answer for that, but that's kind of what you're dealing with. But at the end of the day, the game is not taught as a let's run around and make a play game. You know, you're going to have to make throws from the pocket. If, if you can't do that with some level of efficiency, and I'm not talking about a C level of efficiency, I'm talking about a meaningful level of efficiency. No matter how good you are just running around, it's going to be tough to be consistent playing the position. So uh, that's so well said. Um, I'm going to ask you this question, and hopefully, and then hopefully, Ryan, we can talk about linebackers really, really quickly before you have to go. Um, all that said, I think it leads a good segue into Ryan and I did a a podcast where we just profiled Mac Jones about two, two and a half months ago. This is before the 49ers had traded up. Um, because at the time, Mac Jones was, you know, potential player that the Saints could draft at 28. That was like his range. Um, but one of the things I m- remember mentioning on that podcast, I said, he just strikes me as a Kyle Shanahan quarterback. He reminds me of Kirk Cousins. Like, you could just see him in a Kyle Shanahan offense. And I watch a lot more Mac Jones than I intended to. But, like, I just – the more I watched, I was like, he's a good football player. And I – and – like he, he's not, he's a throwback, right? He's not what these new, what, you know, off script quarterbacks are making. He's not a dual threat. Am I like, are my eyes like deceiving me? Like I, am I, I feel like I'm, I'm going crazy of acknowledging that he is a good quarterback and scheme wise fit. I could a hundred percent understand why potentially the 49ers and Kyle Shanahan would want to draft him. Well, there's not a lot of mystery to Mac Jones. None. None. He is who he is. He's a highly efficient executor and ball distributor. That's what he is. Um, Now, so that comes down to philosophy. Yeah. Coaches teach, obviously, a system. They want the system to be executed. They expect the system to be executed. If it's executed properly, I mean, theoretically, now we're getting into protections and and all those kinds of things, because I'm not talking about where a guy gets beat. Look, during the course of a game, a guy gets beat, but you know, that happens. But even then, you know, if if your left guard gets beat relatively early in the play and, and all of a sudden is, is in the pocket, you know, Mac Jones doesn't have anything to do. You know, Justin Fields and Trey Lance have something to do. Mm -hmm. Um, But put that aside for a moment, because you don't go into a game saying, you know what, our left guard's getting beat five times in this game. You don't say that. Um, Not just kidding. <laughs> that, was, that, was a, that was a safe inside joke. I'm sorry. Right, right, right. But but now it gets down to protections and you know the whole idea that you know you need protections 
I mean, I guess the way coaches think about it, because I've talked to a lot of coaches, is coaches never want plays to be wasted. They want to give they they want quarterbacks to have the answer on every play. Mm-hmm. They want protection for all defensive looks. Now you can come to the line of scrimmage and see a look, not that you've never seen because that doesn't happen, um, but to see a look where protection needs to be changed. But you want to be in a situation where, whether it's the center or the quarterback, that the protection can be changed and you take care of it. You know, that's what you want to be in. You never want to be in a situation, ideally, where there's a look and, and, and a potential pressure where you don't have a protection answer for it. So that's the way all this is taught. Uh, now, we can sit here and say it doesn't always happen that way. But how do you deal with the fact that it doesn't always happen that way? Does that mean you don't want Mac Jones? Um, because let's say 98% of the time or it, you feel it happens that way. Mac Jones is, is the guy that's going to execute it really effectively 98% of the time. Uh, so you're getting down, you know, uh, yeah. It leads to another discussion, guys. I mean, like I said, we could talk about this forever, and I feel like I'm just, you know, lecturing, but I'm not. Um, you know, I'm just trying to talk ball with you guys. Uh, is and now I lost my train of thought, but I mean, it 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 gets down to um, oh God, where I totally lost my train of thought. But um, you know, you're you're going your your quarterback is all plays are called. Think of it this way. All plays are called with the idea that the quarterback can throw it to his primary receiver. Ideally, that's the way it's called because you have some sense of what the defense is based on probability and tendency, and you want the quarterback to be able to deliver. So when you watch a quarterback play, and particularly Alabama, where they had a really well-schemed offense, Steve Sarkeesian did an unbelievable job. Unbelievable job. so how do you determine between predetermination and anticipation? You know, if he's throwing to the primary because they got the defensive look they anticipated, that's basically predetermination. He might throw it with great timing and it looks like he's anticipating, but he's just going to the guy that is mm. is the primary read based right. on the defense. So, you know, at that point, oh, I know what I was going to say a moment ago. Every quarterback coach, every offensive coordinator, every offensive mind, they have a list of, of quarterback traits. Everybody has the same list. What it comes <laughs> down to, what it comes down to is what importance do you ascribe to the specific traits? Everybody might ascribe a different importance to traits. Some mm-hmm. coach might say, you know what, I want a guy who can move. Some coaches might say, nah, that's not important to me. I really need a guy that is so efficient from the pocket. So it's it's what what value do you do you ascribe to the specific traits that everybody would write down on a sheet of paper? That's a great way of looking at it. Yeah. Ryan, do you, you want to carry, yeah. carry us on with uh, finishing up talking about linebackers? Oh, yeah, 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 definitely linebackers. Uh, someone, uh, you know, that we, uh, me and Adam, we, uh, like, uh, well, a couple of them, Zavin Collins, um, uh, what's, what's my guy? Uh, Notre Dame, um, Jeremiah, Jeremiah. Jeremiah. Yeah. yeah, that name. <laughs> used to say it. Uh, uh, any of those stand out to you? And I know uh, uh, Jamin has also been a guy that uh, well, that a lot of people have been high about too. Yeah, I loved his tape. I watched him about seven weeks ago. 
and loved him, you know, and then all of a sudden everybody said, oh, he's moving up draft boards, you know, <laughs> all that BS. Um, <clears throat> I love Jamin Davis. I'm not saying he's, you know, should go in the top 10 or anything like that, but I think in today's NFL, he's over 6'3", weighed 234. His measurables were phenomenal. His tape was really good. He's an athlete, I think. And, and again, it may not happen week one in the NFL because you never know, but I think he is your classic three-down linebacker in today's NFL. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we'll see where he goes, but uh, I really like him. See, <clears throat> I think he, he's a totally different player than Owusu Kor- Koromoa. Um, and, and, and believe me, that kid is – he shot out of a cannon. That kid is super, super explosive. He weighed 221 in his pro day. Um, I don't think he's a stacked player. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, I, I almost saw him as a safety, but, mm. you know, I think that he's probably a linebacker, but I think his traits – are more safety-ish, to be honest with you. Um, very good in very good in cover, and they used him that way. They used him to he lined up over slot wideouts. They he matched up to tight ends. Yep. You know, I think he's, I think he's got safety traits. So we'll see how teams see him. That's hard to know. He'll be in the eye of the beholder, but there's no question he's dynamic as all get out. And then. Uh... I know I heard you talking about, I believe it was on the Ross Tucker podcast uh, with Xavier Collins and the medical recheck. I, I, I love Xavier Collins tape. He reminded me of kind of like Anthony Barr light oh, when yeah. I watched them. Um, but you hear that he's bulked up to 270. Like, and it's like, okay, so, so what position are you trying to play? Like it, I, I don't know what to make of, of, of Xavier Collins at this point. Yeah, I know. know 270 was high to me too. I just don't know. You know, I don't know if he wanted to be that, you know, if he said, hey, I'm going to do I'm going to gain this weight. Um, I thought based on tape, he was one of the best linebacker prospects in the draft class. He was more, believe it or not, at his weight, which at his pro day was 259. He was actually more of an athletic finesse player than a physical player. I thought he was a really good athlete, Um, you know, not twitchy. I mean, guys 260 are not twitchy, but he was fluid. He was smooth. He could play in space. I thought there were some pass rush traits that were there to be developed. Um, I don't know what – I'm not sure what he is at 270. I'm not sure how to deal with that. Because um, you start getting – you know, 270, you start getting into D-line mode. Um, so I don't know. I, can't, I, I really can't answer that now. And, and I don't know if that was intentional for him or, you know, if he just spent a lot of time at McDonald's. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was like, I had to go back and look. I was like, how big was Von Johnson? You remember who played for the Saints? Oh, yeah. We, that, was that, that was the great linebacker group with the three, yeah. four, Sam Mills, right. Von Johnson, Swilling. Yeah, yeah he was, used to be one of my favorite players when I was young, just because of how he looked. Like, he looked like he was just like a superhero or something. And Ricky Jackson. I was Ricky trying Jack- to think of the last And Ricky Jackson. Yep, yep. Yeah. But, but even, even like Von Johnson was like 245 or something. I was like 270. What is that? <laughs> like that? Is that like a an edge, like a joker? Like I, I, I mean, you I start, don't know. the guy you start to think is. about, and he had a couple of really good years, and then you know he had some really good years in Baltimore. Went to New England, and it didn't work. Was Adelius Thomas? Mm. Think mm. about that one. Forgot all about Adelius. Yeah, I mean, he was two seventy. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Well, well Greg, we. We appreciate you coming on. Ryan, did you have anything else for Greg? No, no, I just wanted to plug uh, uh, your scouting report. Don't don't do me a favor. Don't plug the podcast, please. Okay. 
Okay. Yeah. Well, I want to plug your your fantasy points scouting reports. Oh, please plug that. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Fantasypoints.com is um uh I just keep giving them my breakdowns. I think we're up to about 185. I'll be just grinding away. It gets updated literally every day or every other day. I sent uh, in 10 more uh breakdowns today. Um, mm. so we'll, we'll be over 200 by the draft for sure. Jeez. My goodness. And for people that know what I do guys, I mean, you know, you, you guys know, I mean, I watch full games. I watch three, four games, five games, six games, sometimes depending on the player. So it, it takes time to grind through all this. Believe me, you know, I wish I could watch 300 guys, uh, but I can, it, you know, I'm a one man scouting, yeah. scouting department. <laughs> Yeah, I I 100% get it. We didn't get we didn't get into them. Uh, maybe you can talk to, to Ryan offline about potentially the Saints being interested in in Kyle Trask after round one. And I remember when that report came out, I was like, ew. But then I went back and watched like four games of his, and I was like, yeah, what are you talking about? I could see it. Kyle Trask. Say that. Kyle, Kyle Trask from from Florida. Oh oh oh, Kyle Trask. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was like, yeah, I could see it. Like, I could see potentially why Sean and the Saints would be interested in him in, like, the later round. Well, see, there, there, here, there's a perfect example, just to finish up, of, you know, you believe your system takes care of things because he can move right. very well. Um, nope. In fact, if you, he, he, he's a far worse mover than Mac Jones. Yeah. Um, yeah. He doesn't have a great arm, but he can play within rhythm and timing when, you know, and, and Sean obviously believes he can create the necessary rhythm and timing for Kyle Trask to play well. So, I mean, again, so much of, of how coaches see quarterbacks gets back to what I said is what mm-hmm. values they ascribe, you know, what relative weight they ascribe to specific traits. You know, maybe there's another coach that looks at Kyle Trask and says, man, he can't move at all. I, I don't want him. You, know, you never know. <laughs> I mean, and no one's right or wrong on this. It all comes, you know, uh, Sean Payton's done pretty well in this league as an offensive coordinator, you know, offensive mind. So, you know, you can't say anyone's right or wrong here. No, not at all. And I think he just watching him, his accuracy is just, just a certain trace I saw. And I was like, yeah, yeah. that yeah, hundred percent fits in the Sean's offense. No question. I mean, you know, th- that's exactly right. I mean, he, 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 he was another guy that efficiently executed a well-seen yes. college ox. Yes. Without question. Yeah. Um, thank you so much, Greg. Uh, check out Greg's work. We appreciate him coming on, especially with draft season being around the corner. Uh, we appreciate you as, as always when you come on. We really appreciate it, Greg. Thanks for thank you for your time. Thanks, guys, for having me. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Greg. And with that, we're out. Peace. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corian's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corian.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corian.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. 
Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.